Have you ever been really scared to pivot your business? Because maybe you're well-known for one thing, but you're kind of sick of it. Let's talk about it. You're listening to Inbox Besties, the only little guy approved podcast that gives you dangerously practical advice for turning internet randos into subscribers with benefits. You know, the kind that pop open their wallets and throw fistfuls of cash at you for your courses and, and coaching, not like that other stuff. Now let's get to it. Oh, welcome back to my inbox, Besties. Besties, Kate Doster here of katedoster.com. And as always, I am beyond thrilled to be in your ear holes today. And in particular, this is an interview that we actually had recorded. It was around the time of the Big Three Summit. So I just hadn't gotten a chance to be able to sit down and re listen to it and edit it. So you're going to notice that we talk about the month of August a little bit of this, and you're like, Kate, it's October. So just want to let you know that we had recorded this a little while. So it was probably back in May. And this is with one of my very good online friends, Monica Freeze, and I heart her so much. So she's like so type A, and y'all know I'm not type A, but we get along so unbelievably well. And I wanted to have Monica on because she did something that honestly I thought was super brave and I was a little jealous of, I can't lie to you. And that is she completely pivoted her business. So Monica went from really being known in 2020, 2019, honestly, since probably about 2018-ish, known as the promoted pins person. Like even all of the big Pinterest people would always point to Monica and she had a course on it. And as you're going to end up hearing in this interview, basically her whole McDonald's moment was dealing with this epiphany of how much she hated truly teaching about this topic because she has no control over what Pinterest does. She cannot control what that platform's going to happen. And it just took so, so, so much out of her. And she realized and what she really brought it back to. And so for anyone sort of questioning like, oh man, I've been talking about this one thing, but this other stuff is in my heart, but like, I don't know. She always brought it back to her mission. And her mission was essentially to be able to help women make money and be financially independent. Because as Monica is going to tell you later on in this interview as well, when she first had her child, she did not realize how horrible, especially here it is in the States, for mothers and how you just can't win. So in this interview, we are going to cover a lot. So if you are a mom in business, if you consider yourself a mom first, business owner second, or vice versa, like myself and Monica do, this interview tackles so much. We talk about going viral in a bad way. We talk about pivoting. We talk about dealing with people who are mad about the decisions that you're making. We were talking about how Monica has restructured her offer and how she has done it this way. Honestly, this is one of these interviews that I feel like people are going to listen to over and over again, not only when they need that boost of confidence, but when they're looking for actual step-by-step on how to get this done. Now, you want to make sure, of course, that you are listening to Monica's podcast as well, not just because I was on there, although that's always great, but she has some really interesting guests and I honestly... I love her solo shows because I just love the way that Monica's brain works. So I'm going to have a link to it down below in the show notes. It's called the Empowered Business Podcast. And like I said, I'll put a link so that way it's really easy for you guys to get down over to because it's amazing. As always, you can tag me and Monica when you are listening to this episode over on Instagram. Our handles will be in the show notes as well. Now let's get on to the interview. All right, my inbox besties, besties, like I told you in the intro to this, I am so excited. And this might be an entirely different type of a podcast than we're used to here because I could literally talk to Monica for like ever. Um, I feel like you've been in the online realm like just as long, if not longer than I have. So like Netscape sort of a days. So I had Netscape. (laughs) See? (laughs) Right, live journal, all that great stuff. Yeah, and I can still hear the... I can still hear the AOL dial tone, dial up. (laughs) 
Right. My first website I ever built was on GeoCities for I had a black time. background on mine. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, Monica gets this. So before we go any further, I want to make sure I ask, what are your pronouns so we can use them correctly? Yes. She and her. Excellent. So Monica, today we're going to be talking a little bit about digital products. We're going to be talking a lot about, because I'm very interested on how you pivoted your business. Because if you guys have heard Monica's name, you're probably like, oh yeah, she does promoted pins. She's like the pin ad lady. Mm-hmm. That's not what Monica does anymore. Not so anymore. I would love to hear about your whole process of rebranding and changing and then you know, why digital products. And before we go ahead and dive into all of that and your McDonald's moments, because it turns out everybody loves those. I would love to know what your mission is because I feel like you have such a strong one and you're so vocal about what you want to do for females. Yeah. So my mission is to help 1000 women make a hundred thousand dollars, which will contribute towards financial independence for women and to the tune of a hundred million dollars. So Yay! it's like a, a thousand, a hundred thousand and a hundred million. That's like the numbers down the road. So like that, I came up with that actually as part of the great pivot, which I know we're going to talk about. Cause I had started feeling disconnected about why I'm even doing what I'm doing. And at the core of it, it's always been about helping women achieve. And the reason I pick financial independence is because the money, the world runs on money, right? So if we, mm-hmm. if we're not capable, if we don't have the means to have our own money as women, then we're kind of, our hands are kind of tied. And also I firmly believe that when women have control of money and have wealth, we do good things with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you know me and put money in the hands of good people so they can <laughs> do good with it. I absolutely love it. So what made you so passionate about helping women in particular? Oh, I, you know, I almost died when I had my first kid. <laughs> oh, very casual, right? Very casual. Yeah. I mean, honestly, having my daughter's eight now and her birth. I was a jerk before her. I kind of think in a lot of ways, honestly, I was like, I, I was very like lacked compassion in a lot of ways. And I'll give you an example when I was in my early twenties. So I started in my corporate job young. I was still an undergrad when I started in what became my corporate job for 11 years. Mm -hmm. Um, one of my teammates who's the same age as me, had a baby and went on maternity leave. And I wasn't very kind to her about it, to be honest with you. She would come after she, when she came back to work, we don't know what's going on in people's lives. Right. But we were at back in the day, we were on a phone queue. Um, So, you know, when she didn't show up, when she was 15 minutes late, 20 minutes late, had to leave all the time, I was taking her overflow and I was not Mm -hmm. nice about it. I just wasn't. And uh, then I had a baby and it really uh, (laughs) taught me a really solid lesson in a lot about life And one of those lessons was um, the maternity leave in the United States is atrocious, which I know you had a terrible experience that you shared Mm -hmm. on my podcast with that. (laughs) And and that led, so I I almost died in childbirth. I had an emergency C-section. I needed a blood transfusion, which they got me too late. They nicked in some organs that they weren't supposed to. Um, It was really bad. And then my daughter was colicky for the first three months. I didn't understand what I was getting myself into with having a child. Like we, I was so into, I had her at 27. So it wasn't like I was young really, uh, but I was super independent before having her. You know, I would travel, I would hop on planes almost every other weekend. I had friends everywhere. I traveled alone. I just was a super independent person growing my career and I was going to go places. 
then I had her at the time, my husband and I had went down to one car because we worked at the same corporate job. So we were like trying to save money. She was un- she was a very pleasant, unexpected surprise. So we only had one car at the time. We also hadn't bought a house yet and we were living in a third story apartment. And I felt like, I remember one of the early days after he, and of course he didn't get any time off of work. So I had no support after nearly dying and having my whole body hacked open. And then this baby who wouldn't sleep and nobody under, like, I just wasn't prepared. And I remember laying on the couch um, and she finally had fallen asleep. It was like 10 AM. And I remember thinking my life is over. Like this is not, I was looking out the windows and I remember snow was falling and I just was thinking, this is not what society tells you having a baby is like. Mm-mm. Interestingly though, it never affected my bond with her. Um, I actually, me and her are like so super close. I'm so grateful that what I went through emotionally and mentally because of having her and how much it, I'm grateful for how it did change me as a person. I think it made me a better mm-hmm. person, but it never impacted. I never blamed anything on her or anything yeah. like that. And, and I don't judge anyone who does because postpartum depression is a real thing and you know i have no judgment towards someone else's experience with it i just feel very fortunate that 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 didn't happen with us and that we're very close um so i went back to work after i had a lot of pressure in my life at the time to be a stay-at-home mom which p.s i never wanted to do so i became very very outspoken about my right to work that's what i would call it my right to work don't take my career from me it was a big part of my identity um lots of people in my life thought i shouldn't work i was had lots of people pretty much told me I was a bad mom that I, because I wanted to work. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a, um, so I, so, but on top of that, so I had this strong, like drive for working, but yet when I went back to work, I call it like the intersection of my career had started taking off at the time I had her and it required travel that I had previously not really had to do for work. Um, and I was unbeknownst to me, it took 15 months to get the diagnosis that I had, uh, postpartum PTSD due to the birth trauma. Um, mm-hmm. I say that I don't actually process things until after, which is very common, like even in the business, like when I'm going through rough times, I like, I have that grit, like you just have to get through it and suck it up and life goes on, bills still have to get paid and it is what it is, you know? And then after the bricks kind of crumble and I'm like, oh, I think I was really in a bad way. <laughs> <laughs> and I was in a bad way for that first year. Yeah. I had an emergency C-section as well. We, we actually were fine, but she got stuck. So like, luckily, like I didn't have to have a blood transfusion like you did, but they had actually tested me because they thought that I had postpartum. And then they're like, it was PTSD because, and we had gone to like a women in children's hospital. Like I specifically picked that one because like, just in case. And again, I think I was 26 when I had my first one then 27, the second one, we went to a different hospital and it was so much better, but like, I couldn't get out of bed. Like I physically couldn't get up and my husband's job didn't give him paid leave, but they wouldn't fire him if he used all of his vacation time when the baby came. That was <laughs> their so deal, right? As opposed <laughs> to me who got fired, right? It's like, no, no, I'm like, I can't, like I just had major surgery, but see, then I was just vengeful and I was like, screw that. But yeah, my brain melted and I give you lots of kudos. And I think that, and that's why I really loved, I know that this was a former website, so I still believe you still own the brand as well about redefining mom, about yeah. talking about like, again, you can't take away somebody's right or desire to work. Yeah. Re- and sometimes mom. need, sometimes yeah. need. 
so that was actually redefining mom went online. Uh, I was like seven. It, the concept came about seven months postpartum while I was still in the throat, not even diagnosed yet, had no idea. As a matter of fact, I think, honestly, I thought that this is my, I think the way my brain was processing what was going on was, oh, so like, this is what nobody talks about, but this is just the way it is. Right. Like everyone must feel, I remember going to work and looking around at some of the other women who had like multiple kids. And I thought, man, I barely have it together with one. So I, maybe I'm like over dramatic about what I'm feeling. And, you know, you just kind of like, well, if they can have three or four, like what's wrong with me that I can barely manage one and, and come to work on time. And, yeah. you know, and cause I'm so type a, when I would, I will say this, uh, so for anyone who thinks I was a jerk to the girl I worked with, I did reach out to her. She had since left the company and I reached out and apologized to the way I treated her. Um, my lack of compassion towards what she was going through. And, you know, clearly she was going through something rough as well. And I just didn't have compassion towards her for it. Um, and I reached out, we had a really great conversation and she was very, uh, very, very nice back. And I appreciated that she was receptive to what I had to say, but that's when redefining mom was born. Basically, I was just pissed off. I, there was, I was just like, this is ridiculous. The way women are treated, the expectations, the penalties that happen in corporate, when you have a baby, the, um, just, Oh, I just had lots to say. So I was like, naturally I have a loud mouth. I'm going to put it on the internet. So I did. And <laughs> redefining mom was born, <laughs> uh, and redefining mom, you know, it still exists. We, we, we have sidelined working on it because right now we we're helping other women build digital products so they can create wealth themselves. Mm. Uh, and I just can't have the focus on, on two brands, but we have big plans to revive because to me, redefining mom is really, first of all, who would have known I picked a great name. <laughs> that was unintentional. <laughs> I was just looking for an available name, but Hey, I get to redefine myself at every stage in my motherhood now because, and I don't have to get a new brand. So yay for that. Um, so basically to me, redefining mom is like the intersection of like our individuality and our goals and what we want to accomplish as women and how, like, I, I have this saying with my kids that I am the best mother for them. Like mm. when my daughter was two, I looked at my husband and I had all this guilt because people thought I should be a stay-at-home mom and stuff. And like, I'm not, in a lot of ways, I'm not a typical mom. Um, mm. Like I'm very like blunt with my kids. I don't beat around the bush. Like I told my daughter what sex was when she was seven and that was frowned upon by some people. I was just factual about it, but some people didn't like that. They thought, why are you telling her? I'm like, cause I don't want someone else educating her in school. I want to educate yeah. her. And, um, I, I've, I told my husband, I remember when I looked at him and said, I am the best mother for my children. There is not a better mother for them. I am mm -hmm. amazing. And I want every women, every mother to feel that way that they can accomplish their goals and be successful in whatever, however that manifests for them and be the mother show up and be the mother whatever that looks like as well that's like to me what yeah. redefining mom is it's like the intersection of the two and I think that's that's why even though y'all know like I'm the least type a ever but the reason why Monica and I I think get along so well and again it's like she said it's not that we don't love our kids it's not that we don't pour ourselves into them but I don't know about you but like I've always been an entrepreneur first like I've always been a problem solver first and a mom second and I think there is no problem with being the other way around as well. Like if that is your bag, more power to you. It's just not what I was built for. I and agree. I just think that's so great. And that's, 
for so long. Both ways though, guys, both ways. Monica and I aren't judging at all. And I think it's so odd for people to hear that. No, I think that's super cool. If you want to do that, I couldn't, but go you. I think some, I, I know so I'm close to some legit stay-at-home moms who chose it. Not like they weren't forced into it or anything like by pressure. They like legitimately enjoy it. And I'm like, I look at them almost like they have two heads in a way. Like I would never enjoy this, but I give them so much credit because they're amazing. They're amazing. And they're the best kids for their, they're the best moms for their kids. That's mm-hmm. what, you know, I, I strongly believe that we are given what, like my kids were meant to be with me and their kids were meant to be with them. And we mm-hmm. give our kids what, you know, what, what, it wasn't a mistake. I don't know. I just, when I just owned that, it changed so much about my life when I stopped thinking I had to be shoved in some box by other people. Um, I had actually, a, 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 I had a viral, I don't think we've talked about this before, but in 2016-ish, mm-hmm. so before I was even entertaining having another child because of PTSD, really, I wasn't sure I was going to have another child. Can't blame um, you there. <laughs> Almost yeah. I can do that to a person. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, five and a half, they're five and a half years apart. So yeah, it took me a while, but I wrote a scary mommy article, uh, back like before I was really making money in the business Yeah, and scary mommy, they, they were kind of crappy. They took my very positive. It was a very, uh, positive, uh, working mom article, but it wasn't pitting anything against each other. It was just like, like positive influence for working yeah. moms and like owning that and, you know, being comfortable with that. Well, they spun the headline to basically make it seem like I was at the expense of stay-at-home moms. Like we are propping working moms up at the expense of a stay-at-home mom. And that is not what the article was about, but you know, people only read titles. So it ended up getting banned on Facebook. People were telling me that um, my kids should be taken from me and they were going to call CPS on me. I mean, the comment section was off the hook. It was my first experience with going viral online and realizing how terrible people can really be. That is bananas. And it wasn't even like it was something that you built on your own property that you could manage. It was somebody else doing that to your words. Yeah, it was because they wanted the clicks and the traffic. I guarantee you they had a whole bunch of ads on there. Total, total clickbait. And that's when I, you know what? That was one of the experiences that taught me. You know, I already didn't like answering to bosses in corporate. I was always a born entrepreneur. I have so many examples in my childhood and stuff of how I was a born entrepreneur. I was never meant to answer to other people. And (laughs) when this article went viral and I had no control over what was being said, any of it, um, that's when I was like, yeah, no, I'm building my brand um, in my house and we're going to play by my rules. And I'm never, I'm not doing this for other brands ever again. I'm not, you know, I had another brand, a really popular brand. I won't say their name because it actually resulted in a legal problem um, that I wrote an article about the postpartum mm-hmm. and they requested a photo of me and my daughter. And I actually, I knew enough because I was in marketing and corporate to be yeah, like, yeah. okay, well, I'm watermarking the photo. And I just want to be clear that this is my photo. They cropped my watermark out of it and then try to take copyright of my photo of, it was the first photo of me and my daughter ever. And that also taught me like, no, I'm not playing by people's rules. Like, no. <laughs> right. And I think that that just goes to people, not that we want to like, you know, scare anyone from going for those bigger opportunities or working for bigger brands. 
but to make sure that you are aware or that you've got like Monica has that legal representation where they can't claim ownership to her actual birth photo. Which is crazy. When they cropped out my watermark, I saw it and I thought, you know, you don't want to go against a big publication. So I'd reached out to my lawyer and said, is, could this be an issue? And she's like, let me see your contract you signed with them. And so I showed it. And basically the way the contract was worded was anything, any creative I submitted, they would take copyright of. So like the article or any Mm -hmm. images. And she's like, technically they could, you know, like you turned over copyright of this photo. And I was like, we need to get it taken down. And I I didn't make a lot of money off of it, but I I would have spent thousands to get taken down because it was like the principle of the matter to me. Yeah. Like, no, don't dupe me. (laughs) And that was not okay. I know that we don't usually talk about influencers per se here because most of us are, are tend to be content creators, course builders, digital products. But that's actually a really big issue that's going on right now with those influencer marketers, the people that have thousands of Instagram people, thousands of TikTok people, thousands of YouTube followers, where they'll do a sponsorship with, I'm not going to name a brand, but say a brand. You've all have seen the ads. And then all of a sudden now their sponsorship portion is getting paid off as a paid ad to something else. And they're not getting kickback for it because people are just so thrilled to be getting a little bit of sponsorship money. And I think that they're so intimidated one to talk to lawyers and then two to actually, you know, shell out the money to have it reviewed that they didn't know any better. Would you rather crawl across glass naked or have to stand in line at the DMV with Taco Bell tummy? you know what I'm talking about, then actually have to write an email to your list. I mean, you don't want to come off too salesy and what if you're boring and you don't want to add to all of the noise. And somehow every single week, besides a cold sweat, you bust out with being finger tied, you know, instead of tongue tied because you're actually typing. Don't you just wish that you could just magically snap your fingers and almost have somebody else write your emails for you? Well, that's exactly what you're going to get when you invest in the Email Marketing Fairy. The Email Marketing Fairy template set is over 50 grab-and-go newsletters, welcome series, and even an 11-part sales funnel that you can use as an amazing jumping-off point to actually write emails that connect with your audience, get replies, and most importantly, get those buy buttons hit. And all you need to do to get your hands on this, along with almost $100 worth of free bonuses, is by heading on over to theemailmarketingfairy.com. That's right. Head on over to theemailmarketingfairy.com and you will never have to awkwardly tell your list, hey, I know it's been a while ever again. And so especially in those things, and again, they signed over the rights. So now people can take any of the images, any videos that they did, parts of videos that they use, and now that own company can use it as their own creative, put their own ad dollars behind it. And it's not even like you've got your your code Kate's that you can get (laughs) kickback on now. No, they cut that part out. You know, because I'm type A, I've always read every contract I've ever signed. I am that person. I'm not, like, but I still read it. <laughs> yeah, when, when we built this house, it was like a 60 page contract. And I remember we, I got it and I told my husband, I'm going out on the deck and I'll see you in a couple hours. And I redlined and I highlighted and I called the realtor back and I was like, I have questions. Like I am that person. So yeah. I think because I'm that person, it really even got me more that I feel like I was duped because I should have known better. And I, I really like to your personal, but people have learned the hard way. I have no problems using lawyers. Like if you're going to infringe on my IP, I copyright all my stuff formally. Mm-hmm. I trademark my stuff. Um, don't steal from me. It's, it's not a good time. <laughs> I can't <laughs> pretend to be Monica. I'll <laughs> <laughs> never know. Redefining mom Eve. <laughs> so silly. So I know we've talked 
a lot. And I know that we haven't gotten to the business stuff yet. Would you say that any of these experiences or even that going viral with Scary Mommy or going up against that brand, would you consider that to be a McDonald's moment that you have in your life? Or is there a different one where you're like, this can be more recent as you've been more established that you are just like, I know I hate having a boss, but I think it might just be easier to work at McDonald's or drive Uber. Not that there's well, anything wrong with that guys, you know, but this, sometimes you just don't want to be the boss anymore. That's yeah. It. So you want I, to be able I, to leave it, leave it someplace and not bring it home. I would say, I, I feel like I do. I've had several McDonald's moments. The we scary, all have. <laughs> the scary mommy one was definitely like the first one that's memorable to me. Um, along the way I've ran into early on, I used to call it decision fatigue. Like one of the things I underestimated about running the business was, um, cause I had a very busy, like demanding corporate job. So it was a shock to me how by the end of the day, when I was working in the business early on and all the decisions I had to make, like how fatigued I was, like my husband would say at four 35, like what's for dinner, which by the way, I don't cook. So I don't even know why he was asking, but like, let's make a decision. Are we ordering out? What are we going to have? And I'd be like, I can't believe you're asking me another question. <laughs> don't ask me. Like I was so fatigued that actually did throw me. And that caused some problems. Like we had to work on that pretty early on in our marriage because he got to the point where he's like, I don't know, like, I don't, I mean, I want to stay married and you're like, kind of, you know, touchy with, because you're so stressed out all the time. And so we had to have uh, lots of talks about that and like what he could take off my plate. Cause I like managed everything about the household. Um, Cause I, I'm more, he's not a type A person. So I was just the more organized of the two. And I'm like, I can't do it all anymore. And I need your help. And that was like a whole discussion, but my McDonald's moment, like as an established um, business owner was last September. Um, we, I, the writing on the wall, the writing was on the wall that I had to move away from Pinterest advertising for so many reasons. Um, there was a cap. It, we can talk about why, like when we talk about the pivot, but this is what I'll say about, there was just a lot of reasons why to me, I could see that the writing was on the wall that I had to make a change, but I didn't know how to go about it and keep, I have employees, actual employees in my business. Yeah. Um, my, my family relies on my income in my business and I felt trapped. And so I, it started manifesting in some like physical ways, like my back started spasming. And so I've not, I, my work time is my work time. I am at my desk. I have a full-time nanny. And when when she is here, I am at my desk and I am working and I don't use my work time for other things. Well, my daughter, I had just gone back to school and she came into my bedroom and I was in a blacked out room watching Outlander, which is a great show, by the way, and <laughs> on my back. And she, the only time she has seen me like that is when I've had the stomach bug. So she walks in the room and she's like, mommy, are you sick? And I'm like, no. And she's like, but it's the work day. Like she was so confused that she came home from school and I was laying in bed in the dark. And at the time I just was telling myself, I was trying to justify the fact that like, oh, my back's hurting really bad. Like, I don't know why it's hurting. And that's, and I, I made it all about physical. Yeah. It wasn't, it was, um, I was basically going through a depression of the, of mourning the fact that I had to make a big change that 
because I was so miserable. I no longer wanted to teach what I had been teaching, what I was known for. Mm -hmm. And I got to the point where I felt like maybe I'm better off just walking away. If I'm going, if this is how I'm going to feel. And it went on for Mm -hmm. about two months from, well, actually like I would say three, I made a huge, um, not only did we, so from September, October, November, September, October, November, December, we actually were working on the pivot. Like I launched the first step of the new product ladder in October. It went really well. It was like the entry membership into our bigger program now. So we were making the change. Like September kicked off the fact that I knew I had to make a change, got out my post-it note. So I was being proactive, Yeah. but in December, my husband and I had another one of those long talks about the fact that I was short tempered with everyone in the house. Now, granted, I like my space and we're in COVID times and it was like, go away people for a little bit. Like I really (laughs) like, I need to recharge and there was never any like recharge time. And he, we talked about it and I told him, I was like, I don't know. I'm just really, really miserable. And I've figured it was my postpartum periods are usually between two and a half and three years. And my daughter was right around, she was two and a half. Um, So I think I was coming out of postpartum. I was making this big pivot in my business and some people didn't like it. So we got some, you know, dissenters and not nice emails. And on December 29th, I, I just flipped a switch. It was so weird. And so we're five months past that. And so I read almost a book a day. Now I got a a chair in my office. I take chill time to read. Mm -hmm. I just went on a week long vacation without my computer, which has not happened since 2017. I will not work more than 48, 40 hours a week, which before I was like, I never stopped working. Um, I walk at least two miles a day, um, five days a week. I actually, my Danny leaves at 4.30. I stop working at 3.45 and I use the last 45 minutes to go on my walk and I'm consistent. Nobody gets in the way of my work time. So, you know, it, a lot has changed I feel like at the end of the year, I'm going to have a lot to say about like 2021 being like my evolution year or something. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So uh, there's so much that I want to unpack. And I think that it's, it's not ironic because Monica knew what I wanted to talk about. Cause like I said, we're friends y'all again, you wouldn't think it, but totally are. Honestly, I feel like our outfits match today. Now that you guys like, yeah, so we're totally, we're totally friends. And I wanted to talk to her about pivoting in the business because I feel like there are a lot of people out there that might feel like, oh my goodness, I built myself this gold castle and now I'm stuck in it. And what do I do? And how do I grow? And how do I change? And then all of this sort of stuff. So you would said that in September is when you really started honestly just being depressed and feeling it. What had led up to that in September? Now, for those of you who might not know Monica, and I did address this in the intro as well, you were doing promoted pins. I mean, you had been doing a lot of stuff. I know in the blogosphere we had met a while ago, but you've been doing a lot of things, but you really got known for promoted pins in like 2019, 2020. So what made you start, I guess, hating it or resenting it or thinking, oh crap, I'm good at this, but this shouldn't have been it. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot to unpack here. First, I guess the first thing we can say is I have zero control over Pinterest. Pinterest went public in April of 2019. And so, you know, as someone who worked for 11 years for a publicly traded company, I know what that means. What that means is they only care about the bottom line. Oftentimes at the expense of user experience, because at the end of the day, they only care about what they report to the street, Wall Street. And, you know, 
in some ways I leveraged that because of my experience with a, working for a publicly traded company. Like I had come out with a whole IPO report. So initial public offering, it's 185 pages. I read it and digested it down to like a 10,000 um, word blog post. People loved it. Um, be, you know, cause honestly, when you're publicly traded, you actually tell, you have to publish basically your business strategy to your shareholders. So it's actually like Pinterest was telling us what was going to happen. And I'm, yeah. and no one else, and most people wouldn't have thought to, to look there. So basically they became publicly traded in April, 2019 and stuff started really going downhill for me there because I was my, the core revenue stream of my business was reliant on a platform that I had no say over. I didn't have a seat at the boardroom table. And mm -hmm. so every time they moved a button or changed something that would set students in a tizzy, um, it was like, I, I couldn't plan my own life. Like, yeah, things would implode. And, and so here comes the second issue. I was required for too much of the delivery of this program. It was my brain they were paying for. I can't yeah. outsource my brain, mm. right? They were paying for me to, cause I have this strange ability to take in ad metrics and like easily digest them and then be able to regurgitate them in ways that people who don't like data understand. Um, that's not a skill I can teach people. So it was required for me to show up for delivery. And then the third issue, which I am super passionate about, and I know me and you have talked about it. I think you've started moving away from this. Mm -hmm. When I started the, the course, it was uh, in my third trimester. Um, I was trying to get it out before going into hibernation mode and nesting and all that. And it was the end of 2017. And I was still, you know, a baby entrepreneur. So mm -hmm. um, it was like, every sale was super exciting. I mean, I get sales all day long now. I, I, I mean, they're not as exciting as they used to be back then. <laughs> I still love it. My mind went off like three times when we're talking. I'm like, ah, that's I mean, just me. Cause I know that people on the other end, I'm like, yeah, we made so today. Yeah. I have an Apple watch just for my payment notification. Like, like I still, like when I'm on my walks and I hear it, but like, I actually know the different buzzes between Stripe and PayPal. It's really weird. I can tell when my watch is buzzing for a text versus, and I'll be like, oh, I'm making money as I'm walking. So like, I, I'm not immune to it, but it was a big, big deal. Yeah, it's big sales back then. Start. It is. And so at the time, and I feel like this is where online courses are seriously misguided, especially when you are running um, a course based on a platform that changes and you're an over-deliverer like I am. I am an over-deliverer. Mm -hmm. I was I, in that course you all were. Yeah, I I like, no, if I, I've over the years, of course, had some people dissent on like price and stuff. And honestly, I got to the point in my business where I'm like, no, like I give you way more than you're paying for. I don't feel any, like I was very confident in saying that. Mm -hmm. So, but it's a, it's a popular thing to offer this quote unquote, lifetime access plus lifetime support. Mm. Holy cow, worst decision on the planet. And I'm sorry, I could this, I am very opinionated about this at this point because here's the deal. I paid like a hundred grand to get my MBA. Are my professors on speed dial or something? Can I talk to them 10 years later after getting that degree? Do I get the updated course content and all the, come on. Like, I, I have very strong opinions about this. And basically tell them all, we want to hear everything. Yeah. I, you know, it's just, it was a lose, lose situation. Cause what would happen is the more students we got and these students paid me once, two, three years ago, very minimal amount. Mm. Well, they want, they would pop in and out when it suited their business to be running promoted pins. I, so it was this vicious cycle of 
I have to update the course because of Pinterest. Now I have to sell it because I have to pay the people. Yeah. Like I have employees, I have expenses. I have to sell it to get more students. And now there's more support I need. So now there's more expenses. My expenses kept growing. The amount of energy required out of me kept growing. And then I had to keep launching just to support the business. And it was like, this is, this is a lose-lose situation going on, especially when you layer it on with my lap, my not having any control over what Pinterest was throwing at me. Yeah. So like they had come out with a new uh, campaign type conversion campaigns, which was, they needed to do that. It yeah. put them more on par with Facebook, but they did it. They rushed it to market because of their um, going public. Yeah. And so it, it was just, it was, a, I would say mid 2019 to mid 2020, was intense. And so what I did first before I really came to terms, like, cause it was like a morning period to say, yeah, cause my, when you put my course in a, cause my course is copyrighted. When you put it in a Google doc for it to be copyrighted, it was 800 pages. I mean, it was not that's, and it was always up to date. And so it was like a morning period to think, oh my gosh, all of this hard work for the last four years, I'm just going to blow it up. And so I tried to hold on to it. So in June of 2020, we closed down the support group that went with it. Of course, people were very ticked, but such is life. It, it is what it is. And uh, I mean, we we gave anyways. I, I was going to say, I, you gave, I think like 30 days notice or something. Yeah, well, like you that. know what? Sometimes when you give, people should understand this too, because I'm also opinionated about this. So I'll go with it. Um, first of all, I always, because I'm type A, my, my terms and service are some of the most ironclad you will find out there. Always positioned as a bonus. It was never guaranteed. Yep. I always, everyone had to check the box for it. I still kept it around for four years. It is what it is. But when you give people too much notice, that's when people tag on and complain and they get negative. Like it's like, you can't, one person complains and then, you know, it's like people love to live in misery loves company or whatever they say. And honestly, it taught me that I'm too much notice is not a good thing because it just brings out the complainers that didn't want to do the work to begin with or are ungrateful for what they did get for basically nothing. So I'm opinionated about that too. But neither, needless to say, we opened up, a, um, we offered current students the ability to get into a six month group. We called mm-hmm. it the amplifier and this was time bound. So it was like, I think we told current students- You were students, really clear with it too. Oh, I, I was- I remember a- thinking, God, this is so cheap. Like, of course. I am. It's different places in business. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'm a, I'm an over communicator, which, which means that when people like to, if anyone comes back at me, it's like, oh no, no, I over communicate what's going on here. Like there was no surprises when the group was going to be closed down or anything like that. Um, that was my attempt because then basically we had a self-study level and a VIP level. So, Mm -hmm. um, you either, Self-study means you're not asking Monica questions or VIP means you're in this time-bound group. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it was very structured when I'd show up and answer questions. I was very involved. And we thought that this would be a great way to really meet in the middle. And it wasn't. I think at that point, honestly, it was a last, it was a last ditched attempt. The ship had sailed. And I think Mm -hmm. in September, so that happened in June. Yep. So September, we're three months into it. See, that's and what I was thinking. I'm like, she must have started thinking of pivoting. Like at the beginning of 2020, I would never have guessed that it was really in September is when you started in Q4. Mm-hmm. I thought like, I'm like, oh, this must be really calculated <laughs> that well, she was I pivoting mean, back in June when as they, a looker honor. Yeah. Well, when they became publicly traded in April of 19, I think mm-hmm. deep down the writing was on the wall to me, but it was, it was that 
it's so hard. It, you know, some people did say to me, like, you must've known you were going to do this. No, not really. Like, I know it, you, you know, it's funny what people assume is going on behind the scenes because I didn't know until I made the decision. And when I made the decision was when my, basically when my daughter found me on my back and she was concerned about what was going on with me because I was so, because here's the thing. I might sound like overly confident in what I'm saying, but this is in hindsight. I don't like disappointing people. I love my students. I want them to see success with promoted pins. It was gutting. It was gutting to have to do what I had to do. But this also goes along with the fact that I could not accomplish my mission with promoted pins because to me, I was getting disconnected with the purpose of my business. I came into it because I was upset with how women were treated. And now I'm just Mm -hmm. teaching people paid advertising. To me, it was like, I'm not making the impact I want to make by being the Pinterest ads girl. And so when I started trying to reconnect with my mission, like, what do I really want? How do I want to show up? You know, and then I really, once I, once I hit, like my brain started thinking about like, what does Monica want? How does she want to show up in the world? Yeah. Then it became a no brainer that I had to, I had to give it up because, um, you know, I, you can only stick with something that makes you unhappy for so long before I didn't want it to bleed into my students either and be like, yeah, I'm miserable showing up here for you. I didn't want to be like that. No, I don't think so at all. And so I just want to thank you just for how sort of raw and honest you were. Like I said, I was just like, I thought I'm like, oh, I'm like, she must've had like this runway plan. Although I definitely want to hear about in September when you did actually get out the post-its, how you were thinking of doing, but I feel that anybody and like, even I thought, cause I did buy the six months because I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to run Pinterest ads. Obviously I'm under show her. I believe you said I had the most meteoric results you'd ever seen. You're like, I have never seen anything more half and half ever. I'm like, thank you everyone. <laughs> but with paid advertisement, what you couldn't have covered in the course because it would have been so bloated, which is now what you actually are teaching is the rest of the funnel. Cause like you can teach people how to target, how to keyword the great creative. You can look at their analytics, but if their stuff sucks on the back end, it's never going to work. Yes. And you see this all the time because you, I mean, you understand the value of a conversion mechanism, which is a sales yeah. like you get this. This is part of, I mean, you teach tripwires, easy yeses and all that stuff. So what would happen? I actually was just thinking about this because I get asked this a lot. I would venture to say, I taught, we had something like 23, 2,400 people in the Promoted Pins course. If I was a betting person, I would say 80% of them showed up without a converting offer. So what that meant was people were joining my course, which was very clearly about Pinterest ads and they'd come in and they, they didn't understand that they needed something that was, you know, we get the typical, Oh, I just want to get traffic. Okay. So you're going to pay for traffic for what, what's the end? Why? You know, so there was that education, but then it's when, when your, when your course is about paid advertising and you're, people are giving you metrics and then you're looking at what they're promoting and you're like, Ooh, well, I mean, have you, is this a tested offer? Cause like you could, you know, when you're, this is my brain works like this. So I could look at an offer and be like, well, no wonder why it's not converting, but then that's not what I'm here to teach. That wasn't the scope. Right. And so scope creep became a really big thing too. I couldn't help myself. Like on Q and a calls, I had to address it because it's like, I can tell you to your, I'm blue in the face, what your metrics are telling you. But if you don't adjust this offer, like don't run more ads. And so that's basically now I, because ads are a way to, to feed your funnel. 
right? Yeah, That's- it, it, it adds fuel to the fire. The question is, is, is it a dumpster fire? Or is it something that's going to rocket you off to the moon? Right. And so now we, the the scope, it's called the Empowered Business Lab. The scope of that Mm -hmm. program covers creating a digital product that people actually want to buy. So the three things you have to create in my program are are the opt-in, the digital product, the order bump, and then the fourth optional one, which either you create in the beginning or once you get people into the funnel, upsell. So some people don't know what the upsell should be until they actually get students that are using Which makes sense. Yeah. And so those are the four core things. So you build that. And like, we have very, like very in-depth tutorials on eBooks, printables, digital templates, and how to do low entry level um, digital courses. Those are like the four product types. And then we teach you how to build the conversion mechanism. In other words, the sales funnel that is built to convert. And there's three versions of it that, that I have them build. Um, and we go through all the tech of it and it's like incredibly thorough. But what I've realized, and I made the mistake even in the founders round because um, basically it's create, build, sell. And the fourth pillar was amplify, mm-hmm. which meant to douse it with paid ads. But just like I experienced in the promoted pins course, I should have known better. Everyone wanted to jump to the paid ads and ignore the first three pillars. And so (laughs) after the founders round, I said, no more, I am no longer teaching anything to do with ads. My it's actually, I do offer it. I call it funnel feeders and I offer it as a bonus. And we talk about like affiliates to feed your funnel and stuff like that. But it's not the thing. It's not the thing. And I over communicate again because I have people, I had some people that told me like, well, I only want to join your course for ads. Then don't join. That's not the purpose of this program. I don't want to disappoint you. You don't want to be disappointed. So don't. I tell people all the time not to join my stuff. I'm very transparent about that. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I'm not looking to sell someone who doesn't need what I have. I just don't. So that's what the new, yeah. and I'm so much happier because it's still rooted in data, which I love. Um, but I feel like the impact of what I'm doing now is so much greater for the long term than just like an ad campaign that may or may not do well. And I have no control over the Pinterest algorithm anyways, you know, and yeah, um, it just, the impact is so much greater. And the, the products that are coming out of the program, like our mind, like things I never would think about. And it's so interesting to see all the ways that women can help people, you know, like all the things that we know that we underestimate, seeing it come to life and giving them the confidence. Cause you know, that's like the biggest thing they come in and they're like, nobody's going to pay for anything that I know. And we, I have this, um, I call it identifying your, uh, passion statement. And then we move into reverse engineering. And when I have people reverse engineering, reverse engineering is not stealing because anyone who steals can't be in my course, by the way, Mm -hmm. we don't do cheaters and stealers. Mm -hmm. So, um, we reverse engineer and all of a sudden it's amazing. I'll have a student that's like, nobody will ever pay me for anything. And then they create a product that's so robust. They're like, wait, I think I'm undercharging for this. And right. like, that is rewarding to me as a teacher to see that evolution happen. And so in general, if you couldn't tell, I'm much happier now that I made it. <laughs> and we, so far we're tracking to make double what we made last year. So which is awesome. So how I have to ask this question and I know that we've been talking on for a while, so I will definitely, I will let you go soon, but it was just so interesting. So how is this offer structured now? I know you had talked about mistakes with before, you know, is it an ongoing membership? Do they have support? Do they have to pay for coaching? How are the nuts and bolts set up for this? So that way it's not like two years from now and you're like, ah, 
<laughs> so I was very conscious of that coming into this. First of all, I will say open-ended access for something like this doesn't actually make sense because people won't take action then. You know, mm. how many courses have I shelved that I have lifetime access to? The, the programs I've taken the most action on are ones that I was going to get cut off, that I had to show up. Otherwise, it, the work was going to get done. So I resonate with that as a teacher and as a consumer. So it would make sense that I position my stuff like that. And I, who knows, maybe I was going to start teaching it and not love it. So I definitely didn't want to put myself against a wall again and be yeah. stuck with something. So the way we positioned it and it's working out well, so I knock on wood, I think it's going to go well, is a six month program. And that includes mm -hmm. the content access and the support in the group. So after, after the six months, everything goes away, or you can sign up. We'll offer a month to month option, which mm -hmm. will be very, I haven't even decided the price for it yet. Cause we haven't hit the first six months, but it'll be minimal. It's just basically it's a mutual. I'm constantly updating, adding tactics. I'm constantly mm -hmm. putting my energy into this and mm -hmm. we need to fairly compensate my team and my business for that. It's just a fair, to me at this point, it's not emotional at all. It's just a fair economic exchange for what I'm providing you. Mm -hmm. I love that. So we had, so yours is six months with content and support. So the way that we restructured love your list, because like my goal, because that course is so robust, because your email list just touches everything was, it was like, our options were triple the price, or take away the access to me after six months. And like, we had floated around with like different amounts of time and all that. I honestly feel like we probably could have gotten away with three because then people would have a little bit more fuel under their fire, but we went with six. And then like, we have it where you can sign up for continuum coaching. So we don't do month by month by that. It's, you can buy another six month pass or okay. you can buy another 12 month pass to get all access to the live component parts. Because okay. I'm like, I'm not chasing people down. <laughs> <laughs> so all of this sort of stuff. So like active campaign can like shoot them off an email, let them know, let us know. And then, so that way it's not like we're constantly like, Oh, this person, no. And like, I'm not doing month to month. And we had entertained the idea of not cutting off content access. Mm -hmm. I think what, so with the promoted pins course, the course that it was in 2017 was nothing like what it ended in 2020. I mean, it mm -hmm. was night and day. And so I think uh, for me, knowing how I teach and how I like, I'm just, I love adding stuff. I, and I, I want to make sure I never wanted to put myself in a place again, as a teacher to feel like this is a lose, lose situation for me to show up in the way I want to show up. Mm. That was equally important to me that I kept my energy and my zest for it. And because of that, the ongoing, having people mutual be as committed as I am which is money in business yeah. is it, it just for me, for how I am, it just, I knew that it was going to make more sense. I mean, maybe, and here's the thing, here's the great thing about running an online business, everyone, you get to make the rules and yeah. you can change. So like we've entertained mm -hmm. changing that policy. We've entertained maybe shortening it to three months, changing it. Like you can do whatever you want. We could have just a self-study version and then have a support group separate. Like who knows? Like that's kind of the brilliance of, um, you know, being the boss and making up. I, I think now that I've done this major pivot, I will be much more open to when something needs to change to just do it, you know, and not overthink it. 
I absolutely, oh, I love that so much. I have one more question about this. Is this open close or is this evergreen? So right now it's open close because I made a commitment in 2021 because I was so stressed all the time coming off of the other launches because I would have to do the updates. Then all the students mm -hmm. were getting into it. I made a commitment this year that we are going to launch four times and I'm going to know my numbers so well that it's just a predictable marketing machine. What a thought, you know, it's right. so obvious. Um, so we have already launched twice and we have another one slated in August and then again, um, in November, but now that I have two under my belt, we are heavily considering putting it on evergreen for the summer. Um, it would be behind like a, a, um, a webinar because we'd want you to watch like and understand what you're getting yourself into like oh, a yeah. training first. Um, so I think it's going to be both for the second half of the year, but we don't have evergreen open yet. So at this point, for mm -hmm. sure, it will be open again in August, but I have a sneaking suspicion that we'll open it up in the summer months. Ooh, this is all fun. I, like I said, I just love Monica's approach to business about the experimenting about knowing the numbers again, about being a real person and feeling those human feelings of like, Oh my goodness. Like, what do I do? If you had any more parting words for anybody besides just do it when it comes to either pivoting your business, or I guess the main question I would say is what words of hope or direction do you want people to take if they feel like their audience is going to hate them for growing? You know, anything? here's the thing, the people we, Okay. Actually, I'll give you a real life example. I had someone that came in guns a blazing when I made this announcement that I was retiring the Pinterest course. I mean, it was one of the meanest emails I have ever gotten. It was super mean. And I get, I mean, I have a huge email list. I, I get it. I get it all. And I am not in the support box basically at all, but because this was going on and I was emotionally attached to it, I was unfortunately looking and I happened to be the one that caught it and I couldn't help myself. I had yep. to be the one to respond and I responded in kind. And, but I was firm in the fact that what I, I posed the question to her and said, what would you have liked me to do if I no longer want to teach this? Is this a sentence that I should have to teach this for the rest of my life? Because I had a course on it once upon a time. Like I posed the question back to her. It was a very, I was very polite in my email back. And a week later, she wrote back apologizing, saying she had something personal going on in her life. And my email triggered her, it had nothing to do with me and everything to do with what was going on with herself. And that was a very enlightened moment for me to step back and say, that's the truth. The people who are, first of all, someone who's mean to you, like, I know you have this philosophy too. Like you're not here to help the people who don't like you, you no. know, like that's our, if you don't want to be near me, unsubscribe, bye. You know, like you got to let those people. people go, but also realize when people are mean to you, first of all, you cannot grow a business online uh -huh. and expect rainbows and sunshine all the time. People are going to be mean because, because just like this girl in my email, she was triggered by something completely outside of my, I couldn't have controlled her trigger and she took it out on me, you know? And um, so just, it's it, online business is like a gigantic mind game in a lot of ways. And through every time I always say this, I'll like, I'll reach a point where I'm like, I got this, this is going great. You know, like people aren't going to bother me. I don't care if I get dissenters and then something, then the next like, you know, the next revenue pillar will come or whatever it is that brings more issues. And I'm like, what? I just had it together like a month ago. Why do I feel like I'm failing at everything again? 
and it just is. And I think the longer you do it, it's like a muscle. You just get better at it. You get better at overcoming it faster, mm-hmm. recognizing what it is. And it shouldn't stop you because the thing is, if, if like you want, you know, if this was super easy, everyone would do it. Right. right? Like it just, if this was just like a cakewalk, everyone would have a very successful online business, <laughs> but it takes work. So don't shy away from that. Just know it going into it. Right. I love that. And I think what I love the most about all of this, and you guys know, I, this is like the stone that I'm going to die on or the hill, I guess, as the sentence goes, when you are disproportionate, be passionate about seeing your audience succeed, you are not precious to the vehicle. Yes. You are allowed to have a human moment, just like Monica was in September when it came to, Oh my goodness, I hate promoted pins. I never want to do this again. We're going to blow this up. This is scary. But her mission was always to help those thousand women make a hundred K in their business. Yeah. And so she knew that vehicle wasn't going to get there. Yeah. She pivoted. I, I am just like you and fanatical about my students, um, success and, yeah. and that's why I carry, I carry the results and the successes of my students more than I carried it in my own business. It matters that much to me that they see success. I never want anyone to feel like they were duped or something by buying something from me. Like that's, yeah. I, I never, I, I want everyone, I want every woman to succeed at doing <laughs> this. If, if you're, this is what I say, if you're willing to show up and put in the work, I will be your biggest cheerleader where, where I can't is if you're unwilling to show up for yourself, like I can't yeah. show up for you, but yeah. if you're willing to show up, I will be your biggest cheerleader. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love this. So where can people hang out with you? Let them know about your podcast. It's not too, too new, but it's still kind of new. Let us know yeah. all about that, where they can get to you some freebies that you've got going on. Tell us that all. All right. So everything's pretty centralized now under monicafroze.com. That's like the central hub where you can find everything. <laughs> Um, the podcast is called the empowered business podcast. Mm-hmm. Kate was on it and it we got probably the most emails about your episode than any <laughs> other one. So you should I will have to talk with Monica after we're done, everybody. <laughs> I hope it's not hate emails. <laughs> no, no hate emails. Well, then again, I'm not in the support boxes. So <laughs> I was told we got the most emails from your episode. If they were hate emails, they left that part out. <laughs> this is the brilliance of having employees. You don't really need to know those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, um, okay, so everything's there at monicafrose.com. And yeah, so pretty much like, even if you want to get on my list, like, Hello, we, me and you are both very into email list building. So it's pretty easy if you go to monicafrose.com to get on my list. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, thank you so much, Monica. As always, I heart you and I could talk to you forever and ever and ever. And I'm sure we'll probably end up having you back on the show as well. But thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having Inbox Besties in your ear holes today. Why don't we go ahead and make it a regular thing? Go ahead and slap that subscribe button now. And while you're at it, why don't you go ahead and take a screenshot and tag me over on your Instagram stories, Kate underscore Doster so that way I can give you a shout out for being a bestie of the week. Later days.